I heard the story about a new lawyer who had purchased an office suite and he was uh, setting everything up, got his artwork on the wall and had a brand new mahogany desk. And, and uh, as he was setting things up, he saw a man walking into his office and he thought, well, this might be a prospective client. And so he quickly uh, wanted to look important. He grabbed the phone, the, the receiver off the phone on his desk, and he started talking on the phone. And he said, look, Harry, about that amalgamation deal, I, I think I better run down to the factory and handle it personally. Yes. No. I don't know if $3 million will do it. We better have Rogers from Seattle fly down and we can meet him there. I'll see you soon. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. He put the phone down and he looked up at the man who was in his office by that point and he said, how can I help you? And the man said, you can't help me at all. I'm here to hook up your phone. <laughs> you know, whether we admit it or not, sometimes we have difficulty telling the truth. Politicians, well, they, you know, we know that they lie in order to get elected. And then once they're in office, well, they, they continue to lie because they're politicians, you know. <coughs> children. Children have a tendency to lie. Sometimes we think, well, you know, the reason they lie is because they've been taught to lie. They've, they've watched their parents or teachers or somebody else and some adults lie in their, in their lives. And so um, the reality is that's not true. Children lie because it's in their nature. It's in human sinful nature to lie. You know, Mama will ask, did you eat a cookie when I told you not to? No. But you've got crumbs on your face. And you're holding the other half of the cookie. And you're an only child. I didn't do it, I promise. You know, things don't get better when we grow up. Husbands lie to their wives. Wife will ask, did you eat a cookie when I told you not to? You probably know how that conversation is going to go. You're the only other one in the house. People lie to their employer, to their employers, to their boss. Boss, <laughs> I think I'm coming down with something really bad. You know, it's like hunter's flu. You know, it's, it's hunting season or something like that. That's we know how that is. People lie to the government, usually on income taxes. And I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a break there because anytime you have an income tax system that's thousands and thousands of pages long that nobody can even understand, well, you know, there might be some, some question as to whether something is honest or not. But that's why you get an accountant. So you don't have to lie. It's the accountant's fault, right? But every once in a while you'll find an unexpected person that's honest. And probably one of the most honest people that I ever saw, I never met him, I didn't know him, but I simply saw him, uh, was a homeless man in Dallas. I was a student at Criswell College and, uh, years and years ago, and every day I'd have to travel from my parents' house through downtown Dallas to the east side of downtown and get off uh, of Interstate 30 onto an exit close to the state fair. And uh, right there at that exit, right off of Interstate 30, there was a homeless man standing there with a sign. Now, this man did not have a sign that said, we'll work for food, which is 
something that, you know, is, I have difficulty understanding anyway, because if you get a job, you get more money than just, you know, enough for food. Um, and so there's something going on there mentally that they're, that they're missing, but this man didn't have a sign that said, we'll work for food. His sign said, I want money for beer. And I thought, there's an honest man right there. Did I give him money? No, because he's going to spend it on beer, apparently. But a lot of other people gave him money. Every time I pulled up, someone was handing him some money. People appreciated his honesty. And after about three years, boom, he was gone. I never saw him again. Maybe he made enough to retire, or maybe his alcohol sort of caught up with him. I don't know. But every once in a while, you'll come across someone that's just blatantly honest. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about honesty and dishonesty, and, and uh, we're going to look at one verse in James chapter 5, verse 12. James chapter 5, verse 12. So if you have your Bible, turn there to James chapter 5, verse 12, and if you don't, it'll appear on the screen behind me. James chapter 5, verse 12. And when you found the verse, would you stand with me, please, in honor of the reading of God's Word? In James chapter 5, verse 12, I'll read aloud, and you just... Read along, and it says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes, and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would teach us the value of honesty today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. First thing I want to point out to you is that when James is writing this verse, he's basically quoting Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37, Jesus said, Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is, his, it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be, yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is evil. That's what Jesus said. Now here's the simplicity of the message today, that if you want to live like a Christian should, you need to make up your mind to always tell the truth. It's that simple. You just need to be a person of honesty who tells the truth. Now back to James chapter 5, verse 12. James gives us some reasons why we should tell the truth. Three reasons, in fact. The first reason is this. Telling the truth is basic to life. Look how James chapter 5, verse 12 begins. It says, but above all, truth is, above all, it should be of the highest priority. Why is telling the truth such a big deal? I mean, everybody lies, right? It's just a little white lie. That's what we say, right? Why is telling the truth such an important thing? Here's why. You cannot have good and decent, beneficial relationships with others if you're a liar. You just can't. Lying, dishonesty, destroys trust. 
It destroys relationships. I probably don't have to go into a lot of detail to explain to you that dishonesty can destroy your marriage. Dishonesty can destroy your relationship that you have with your kids or your grandkids. Dishonesty can destroy your job. Dishonesty can cost you an awful lot. The Bible says, tell the truth. Just tell the truth. You cannot have good relationships with others if you lie. By the way, cheating is a form of lying. I mean, how would you like to put yourself, your life, in the hands of a surgeon who cheated his way through medical school? How would you like to have that happen to you? There you are, out. The anesthesia has had its effect. And unbeknownst to you, the doctor is saying to the nurse, what is that thing in there? Well, doctor, that's a spleen. Get that out of the way. Let's remove that. It's in my way. You wouldn't want to have a, a surgery done on you by a surgeon who lied through medical school. You wouldn't want to have to get on a bridge built by an engineer who cheated his way through school to get his engineering degree. You wouldn't want that. There's no trust in that bridge, is there? You wouldn't want to have a, a surgery by a surgeon who cheated, be on a bridge by an engineer who cheated. You wouldn't want to have to live in a house wired by an electrician who lied in order to get his licensing degrees. There's no trust in the wiring of that house. You see, when someone cheats, when someone lies, it destroys trust. And trust is essential to honorable and beneficial relationships. And so if you don't tell the truth, if you're the type of person that lies regularly, you're going to find real quick that havoc, chaos, is going to reign in your home. It's going to reign at your workplace. It's going to reign at school or wherever else you go. It might reign at church even. It's going to reign in society as a whole. When people don't tell the truth, there are consequences, serious consequences. Have you ever thought about how much of our world is messed up simply because people can't tell the truth? Years ago, there was a company, very successful company apparently in Houston called Enron. You know the story there. They lied about their financial picture. They painted a portrait that was not reality. And it ended up costing people millions upon millions of dollars. Thousands of people lost their jobs because someone wanted to lie for the sake of greed. Think of the huge ripple effect that type of thing has in our society. Our legal system relies on people telling the truth. Justice depends on somebody at some point telling the truth. Without truth-telling, there's no real justice. And so much of our court system really is based upon trying to find out who's telling the truth and who's not telling the truth. And in so many court cases, someone is clearly lying. It's the job of the judges. It's the job of the juries to determine who's lying and who's not. And when errors are believed, when lies are believed or errors are made, injustice results. 
and people's entire lives can be destroyed one way or the other. Telling the truth is basic to life, to relationships, to society. But there's another reason to tell the truth. Your speech reveals your spiritual condition. When you talk, every time you talk, it reveals something about what's going on in your heart every single time. Jesus put it this way. He said, the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good man produces good things from his storeroom of good. And an evil man produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. And then Jesus said something that should be very sobering to all of us. Listen to this verse. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus had a name for the devil when he talked about the devil. Jesus did not describe the devil as someone who has an evil heart, although the devil obviously has an evil heart. The words Jesus used to describe the devil was that he was the father of lies. Because what lies come out of the devil's mouth, the lies that you hear with your spirit, and you believe those lies that set your life off course because you believe them, they have a source in an evil, wicked devil's heart. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you believe. You need to tell the truth because it's foundational to life and relationships. You need to tell the truth because your words reveal your heart. There's a third reason to tell the truth, but James doesn't get to it right away. First, he has some very specific things that he wants us not to do and that he wants us to do. Here's what we do not do in verse 12. James says, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other earth. By the way, James is not talking about profanity. He's not saying do not use profanity. There are other scriptures that talk about coarse language, that talk about not using profanity, but that's not the subject of what James is talking about. James is saying do not make an oath. That's what he means by to swear. He's saying don't make oaths. And as we've seen, Jesus said the The same thing. What's the big deal with making an oath? I mean, what's the problem with that? Here's the problem with that. The picture here is someone who would say in our our words today, I swear on a stack of Bibles that what I'm saying is true. Or I swear on my mother's grave that I will do this or I will do that. Here's the implication. The implication is when you swear on a stack of Bibles or you swear on your mother's grave, The implication is everything else you've said is a lie. I'm a liar up until now, but now I'm telling the truth. 
How do, I, how do you know I'm telling the truth? Because I swear on a stack of Bibles. I swear on my mother's grave. Back in James's day, I swear on Jerusalem. I swear on the temple that's in Jerusalem. I swear on the gold that is in the temple in Jerusalem. That what I'm saying now is the truth. The implication is, don't believe anything else I've said. Because all of that has been a lie. If you're the type of person that has to convince people that you're telling the truth based on the gravity of the object that you swear by, it just implies that you're a liar the rest of the time. Jesus says, no. Just tell the truth all the time. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Just be honest all the time. And you won't have to swear on a stack of Bibles or whatever other concoction that you can dream up. People in James's day, they got pretty, pretty elaborate with what they would swear by. They got pretty tricky with their oaths. You see, they made a distinction between an oath that is binding and an oath that is not binding. An oath that was not binding would be something like swearing on my mother's grave. That's not really binding. I might change my mind later. Swearing on the temple. Swearing on the gold in the temple. Swearing on Jerusalem. None of those were binding oaths. You didn't really have to believe it. If you're listening to someone swearing on any of those things, then who knows if they're still telling the truth or not. That's just the way the game is played. However, an oath was binding if you swore on God's name. I swear by God that I'm telling the truth. Oh, that means he really must be telling the truth because the implication there was if you swear by God's name, you are implicating God in the fulfillment of the oath that you're taking. And so if you invoke God's name in your oath, well, that person has to be telling the truth. Jesus says, stop that. Just tell the truth. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. You know, an honest man does not need to double-dog guarantee that his words are true. He can simply be trusted. Listen to what Scripture says, Ephesians 4.25. Since you put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Colossians 3.9 and 10. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his practices, and have put on the new man who is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of his creator. So there's no need for oaths. Someone might ask the question, well, what about taking an oath in court? Is that okay? Because you get called before court or whatever, you have to take an oath. Is that okay? And that's a good question. Some Christians say, yes, it's okay. It's okay to swear to tell the truth in court. But I'd ask the question, is it? Did Jesus say, do not swear except when you're in court? He didn't. 
So let's look at this a little bit deeper. Let's see what Jesus did when he was in court. You know, Jesus was called before court the day before he died. And when he stood trial, he was even asked to make an oath. And so I'm going to read this account, and I want you to pay special attention to what the court wanted Jesus to do and what Jesus actually did, because there's a distinction. It's in Matthew 26, verses 63 and 64. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus replied, you have said it. Did you catch that? The high priest, an officer of the court, wanted Jesus to swear under oath. But Jesus simply affirmed that the charge that was leveled against him was true. In fact, Jesus didn't even affirm his own words. He simply affirmed the accusation that the high priest made. I believe that this should be our practice. When we are called to court, or in some other instance, a governmental office calls us to make an oath, our response should be a simple affirmation that we are telling the truth. By the way, the U.S. government allows you to make that type of simple affirmation that you're telling the truth. You don't have to promise on a stack of Bibles or swear or make an oath that now what you say is, telling, is the truth. But that's actually found in the, in the U.S. Constitution. Five different times in the Constitution it says the government officials must make, and I quote, an oath or affirmation. Where did our founding fathers get this idea from Jesus? They knew that there were some Christians, especially Quakers in that day, that would not make an oath. And so they allowed in the Constitution for a simple affirmation to be made that you're telling the truth. There's one oath that's actually explicitly written in the Constitution, and it's the oath of the President of the United States. I'm going to read it. Listen to it carefully. It says, before he enter on the execution of his office, he shall take the following oath or affirmation. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. In our nation's history, there's been one president, Franklin Pierce, who chose to make an affirmation instead of swearing. And he did it because of his belief in what Jesus said. By the way, courts throughout the history of our nation have recognized that if this precedent is available for government officials, it means it's available to all of us as well. And so what does this mean to us in a practical way? It simply means if a court or a government office asks you to swear an oath that you're telling the truth, you can simply respond, yes, I'm telling the truth. Or you can say, I affirm that I'm telling the truth. And that's what I've done in the past and will continue to do in the future. But what I won't do is I won't make a promise or swear or make an oath that this time what I'm actually saying is truthful. Because I try to be a truthful person all the time. And so I'll simply affirm that I'm telling the truth. 
Now, there's one more reason why you should tell the truth at all times. It's basic to life and relationships. Number two, it reveals what's going on in your heart. James gives us one more reason in verse 12. He says, your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. So that you may not fall under judgment. James is not saying that if you're a believer in Christ and you slip up, that you're in danger of going to hell. In fact, earlier in this book, James says in three verse, in chapter 3, verse 2, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Hey, the reality is, and James knew it, Christians mess up sometimes. Christians still struggle with sin. Christians sometimes lie. We shouldn't. But sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we lie. But here's the difference. The Holy Spirit dwells in the life of all true believers and He will not allow you to make a pattern, an unbroken pattern of lying in your life. The Holy Spirit will convict you. The Holy Spirit will correct you. The Holy Spirit will discipline you. And some of us have probably already paid a price for our lives, relationships that were destroyed because we messed up and we lied. Jobs that were lost because we messed up. If the Holy Spirit is within you, He's taught you a better way. Or He wants to teach you a better way. But the Holy Spirit will change you. What James is talking about here is the person who continually blasphemes God's holy name by lying. And when you do that, the wickedness of your heart is exposed. That person, the unrepentant liar, will face an eternity without Christ. Listen to the last two chapters of the book of Revelation. Last two chapters of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 21, verse 8 says, But the cowards, unbelievers, vile, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. In Revelation 22, verses 12 through 15, Scripture says, Jesus says, Look, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to repay each person according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. Jesus made it very clear. Your lies 
expose your heart. The goodness or the wickedness of it. There's no sense in lying if you think about it. There's no sense in it. There's no sense in lying to God because He knows what's in your heart already. You're not fooling Him. God says to you, I have made a way for you to be forgiven for the lies that come out of your mouth. I've sent my son and he died on a cross to pay for your sins, to pay the penalty for all those lies. And he rose from the grave. And if you confess him as Lord, which by the way is the truth, if you confess him as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. The person who's saved is the person who's changed. God begins to change you from the inside out. He begins to change you from being a liar to being a person who tells the truth. Usually this does not happen overnight. If you've been in the habit of lying and now you're ready to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, please understand that this process is a transformational process that may take some time. But God wants to change you from being a dishonest person to a person of integrity. A person who never has to apologize for what he says because it was the truth spoken in love. Are you ready today to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ?